Hi, welcome to Below the Line. This is the podcast where we talk about people in the film industry who don't get enough spotlight due to the nature of their careers. Forget film directors, forget actors. We're turning our heads to the people who uh, are disputed in an industry, interrupted, not showcased, not given their proper respect uh, below the line, crew members. Today, we're talking about some costume designers, some very, very influential costume designers in film. But first, we must address Seb's Zoom background, Betty Davis <laughs> in All About Eve. Ben K, what, is, what are your thoughts? Because we know Seb's by putting it as a Zoom background. What are your thoughts on All About Eve? Guy, okay, listen, I'm in a podcast where two of the other people claim it's like one of their favorite movies. Yes, true. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm on thin ice here. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's great. I would like to see it again. Yes. Um, great. I strongly, very, strongly very re- answer you're getting right now. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's great. Um, I'd like to see it again. Um, honestly, I wish I had a better opinion on it, but I, I loved it. Yeah. yeah I really like this movie. Is that it's the greatest screenplay in old Hollywood. Okay. I say, All right. I'll, period. I'll take that. Orson Welles. Yeah. Okay. And no, 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 no. We're, no, we're not bringing up Orson Welles. The, the real mank is Joseph Mankiewicz for writing and directing All About Eve. Weird that, that David amazing. Fincher didn't make a movie about that one instead. You know, chose, chose a slightly more boring one, but uh, that's a conversation for another day. I was gonna say it, it's it's not only old Hollywood, probably all time best best screenplay, tightest screenplay. I don't know. You know what it is? It's camp, and you know who noticed that. Almodovar, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> oh, Almodovar. Yeah, he will certainly feature today in our episode. It is camp. We have to talk about camp. We have to talk about Almodovar. Can we talk about what we've been watching the last week or two? Um, okay, I'll go first. I watched this movie called, well, it's called Barb and Star. Go to Vista Del Mar. Yes. Yes. And I saw the trailer for this like a long time ago, like like a year and a half ago. And like the trailer was so incredible. It's like this Golden Girls-esque like bit with Kristen Wiig and the trailer reveals absolutely nothing. It starts with the Barbara Streisand song and it's just these two old ladies, not really old, they're middle-aged. Just these, just these, just these ladies hanging out with each other, best friends, and they just decide to go to Vista Del Mar, which is this little crevice this in, in, in Florida somewhere. And I didn't hear anything about this movie for like a year and a half until they, until they, came, until they decided to make a, uh, just like a digital release. Unfortunately, it is $20 to rent and it is a bit much, but this movie, I, 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 I quite dramatic on this off like often but this might have just saved the studio comedy because this is easily like one of the funniest movies I've seen in in a in like a really really long time like a, like a new movie I mean I haven't seen something that's like stuck to like like OG SNL shit in such a long time and it, this movie is like essentially like dozens of SNL's best skits like all put into one movie and it's 
on top of it being like really, really funny, it's full of so much heart. And it's just this beautiful movie about, about female friendship. And I don't, I don't want to say anything specific about the jokes because I think like the, fr- the, the less you know about this movie and going into it, the better, the, the better time you'll have. And it just, I haven't seen a movie that just embraces what it is so well like this and in a really, really long time. And it doesn't take itself too seriously, but also knows just in the right moments to leave some heart in. So I strongly recommend Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, Oscars for Everybody. The title is good. The title rhymes with itself. I love it so much. Again, a little a little hard to find. It's a little expensive, but I think it's really, really good. I loved it so much. Yes. $20. Well, didn't we assume that if the American studio comedy was going to be saved, it was going to come from the hands of Kristen Wiig anyway? Exactly. She she did it with Bridesmaids. And I I can't believe I'm saying this, but this movie is is as as much as I love Bridesmaids, like a like a lot better, just a lot more consistently funny, just a lot more everything, honestly. And this this is this is good. This is this is really, really good. Love Kristen Wig for this. Do you think that um it has the potential? I obviously Bridesmaids had a theatrical release and everything like that. Do you think this movie has the potential to be a cultural reset? Because that movie was uh, Bridesmaids was a cultural reset. There was Bridesmaids was a cultural reset. Sense of the word before and after Bridesmaids. I hate throwing this word. Yeah, I mean, I hate, I hate throwing this word around when the movie's new, but it does have the flavor of like kind of being like a cult favorite type movie. So, I will, I will hope it gets. I don't know if it's quite getting the 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 push it needs right now, and I think the fact that people aren't seeing it in the theaters affecting it a little bit, but I hope that people will find it somewhere down the road and see how just absolutely amazing this movie is. I actually just watched it today, like for a second time with my family. It's it's so much fun to watch with people. And it, it seems like one of these movies that will just never get old. It's so good. It's so good. Barb and Star. Yeah, I love how I you, didn't hear that how you told me about it either. No, I just said, I love how self-conscious you are. You're always like introducing, oh, I'm always over dramatizing, but I hate to say this, but you're like your own worst enemy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I need need to gain some self-confidence in this bitch. started off the episode on Thin Ice with the All About Eve question. And so I think every opinion he gives from now on is going to be very softly (laughs) served, just to try to see if it impresses us or not. Seb and I are now hosting the show. I'm I'm back to guest. (laughs) We're back and you're back to guest. That's how we start. (laughs) I have to kind of, I have to like give a face for what I'm about to say, so I can so I can look at your faces and make sure it's going in the right direction, and then I'll change it like immediate immediately if it looks like I'm going in the wrong direction. Or what we could do I'm, is before any opinion, we just say Tilda Swinton, and then that would sort of <laughs> level the playing field. I think we'd all be on board at that point. I'm I'm on I'm on board on that one. That's yeah, yeah she's yeah I, that's goodbye like good goodbye. Thank you, thank you. I don't I don't even know what to say about that. Um, next. Yeah. Tilda Swinton, love to have her on the show sometime. Love to have her on Tilda, the show. 
for listening. We do, we love you very much. I would say at least in the top five percent of fans, maybe two percent, top two percent of your fans here. That's true. Because you have you have a huge if you have a huge fan base. It's like Beyonce or something. You could. Yeah. If you could, if you could find us and 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 listen to this and and come on to our show, wow, like, wow, wow, and and we will be and we will be talking about some of your movies, Tilda Swinton. I'm talking to you, right now, Tilda Swinton. If you're li- you are listening, you are listening. What am I saying? We don't have that. If you're listening, okay. it, you are, you are, you are listening. You are listening. Thank you, Tilda Swinton, for listening to us. Just beyond Beyonce is like. Tilda Swinton, not the other way around. Just, just sorry, sorry. Yes, it says Beyonce. And Solange, they both modeled their game after Tilda Swinton. <laughs> Vice versa, though. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. They're both. They're all pretty legendary. But like the 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 concept of like a superstar on the level of Beyonce, no one, no one ever, no one ever been doing that, you know, until Tilda Swinton came along. And my God, her her run, baby, her her run, yeah. Yeah, it's not any. It's not ending. It's not ending anytime soon. In fact, this give me like, this is like the first point one mile of the marathon, but the marathon's like this ten is... marathons, so it's like a thousand miles. Tilda Swinton is like the next age in human evolution. You know what I mean? Like you look at her, and there's something about there's there's like uh, there's there's the, like the future of humanity all in this all in this physical being. Has has there ever been more hope for humanity? Tilda other than is science fiction. Yeah. She, is, she is she is science fiction, but she's also romance. She's also a musical. She's also a melodrama, if you will. She's also an animated movie. She's also come on, throw, throw me some more. She's a I slice heard, uh, of life. I heard too that when she's not actually on set for a film, she's actively freezing herself so that she retains the exact same um, age and performance for the next film. I heard that in Esquire magazine. Nolan, how dare you? You think she needs to be frozen to keep her looks? Not the you don't looks. think that's not the looks? No, the same. What do you think color this is intensity. for? No, 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 no. She can, she can, she can hold it for, for, for like thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of years, if you will. Think about. Think about like the history of the earth here. We're going, we're going back. We're going back. She invented, she, she was, she was doing them cave paintings. She was, she was, she walked out, she walked out of the, 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 the pool, the, the pool, the first, the first animal to walk out of there. That's Tilda Swinton. Pool? Do you mean the ocean? The pool. The, the, the pool. <laughs> the pool. You, know, you know that one big pool? Giant ass pool. It's a big, it's a big pool. We all came from her, God. And before she was a fish, she was a fish. And before that- The ocean you know, is a pool and it's in Tilda Swinton's backyard. Yeah. Exactly. Now Thank that we've talked you. about um, evolution a little bit, Seb, what have you been watching? I, a couple of weeks ago, I watched this little film I didn't expect I was gonna love, but. Since then, I've become an ardent fan of it. The Matrix. <laughs> wow. It was... Made at the turn of the century. It the was... Toy, a... The point of the century. The point of the century. 
It was such a changing experience. I loved it so, so much. I love everything about it so much. It's so camp as well, but it's so punk and so cyberpunk. I was not expecting the so, cyberpunk aesthetic from Seb today. It's, it's so fucking gay and queer and trans and it's so, it's leather, it's fashion, it's post-apocalypse, it's everything. It's just so in your face <laughs> and it does not, it's perfect. It My makes a really good quote for the Blu-ray cover. It's <laughs> semicolon, it's leather. It's <laughs> Seb. I loved it so much. I watched it twice on the same week because I loved it so much that first time. And I had I had watched it before and I didn't care a lot about it. I thought it was really annoying. But this was like, this was like, what the fuck? My teacher said something that I like. He said that he felt like the Matrix was not creating something. It was as if, it was finding some like perfection in the way it's like constructed. And he compared it to Michelangelo saying how he did not create David. He like, David was already in the rock, <laughs> you know? He just found David. That is the matrix. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah, the Michelangelo Wachowski comparison only is stronger when you see Speed Racer. And oh my god, wait, Nolan, I was just about to say, I just watched Speed Racer two nights Speed ago. Speed Racer supremacy, question mark? What'd you say? Speed Racer? Being, I, I didn't actually, tell me if you were privileged enough to do this. I was not privileged enough to do this. Seeing Speed Racer in a theater when it came out? Nolan, yo, you guys are going to clown me for this. I saw Speed Racer in the theater when I was like, whatever, six years old. I did not like it. Like, wow. I, was not, I was not into wow. it. I was a fucking, I was an idiot child, baby. I was an idiot child. Because you weren't and, about Pauline Kale at that point. It's okay. Exactly. I wasn't, I wasn't, I, the spirit of Pauline Kale hadn't, hadn't taken over my soul. Or James Cameron. And <laughs> New York Times movie critic news, James Cameron. Exactly. And <laughs> Damn, like Speed Racer, Speed like this movie. Speed Racer. Has, though? I don't. I don't think any any like in in a world of like just constant like CG shit, like trying to look as real as possible or whatever that means. This movie has never. I've never seen a movie that embraces the 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 anime look quite to this level. A live action movie that like embraces it so well. And it looks like, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the movie equivalent of like, like airheads or something. Like yeah. it's so, oh my God. It's like, candy. it looks like, it looks like candy. I, I, I love it so much. And you know, it's, no. it's like a little, it's a little confusing, but I, I really, really like this movie. Wachowskis, it's gay, way- it's leather, it's airheads. Mm-hmm. What they would just, you say? They, they're just so good. They like, they just embrace it, you know, they mm-hmm. just go yeah. for it. They don't resist. <laughs> they just like not give a fuck yeah and they do it and they build the future as they're doing it <laughs> yeah 
honestly even um you know even their like flops are kind of just like their biggest problem is just like man you went you went too hard with this one you just like, went like magnificent you know, they that. embrace the kitsch of the times that is my way of saying yeah it. Yes. yes 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 i yes i completely agree. and every they, little like facet of filmmaking they seem to like embrace just going ridiculously above and beyond like just adding sugar to everything like just just like and and it's like that it's like the sugar that's on like like sour patch or something like it's not it's not like confectionery it's like it's it's like sour it's it, it, it like destroys your mouth or something but you love it it tastes so good yeah it's like salt on the like rim of a margarita glass it just <laughs> stings the powder but you love it you know Nolan, Nolan, you're 19 years old. You you shouldn't know what that uh you shouldn't know what that tastes like. I don't taste the margarita. I just taste the salt. Never oh right, it. yeah. You just you just lick you just lick the side of your mom's glass. It's simply, it's simply sodium chloride, don't you? <laughs> oh my God. Wow, science boy. Let's be friends. Let's be friends. I I would like to talk about what I have been watching, except that first I need to do a plug because this thing that I'm plugging led to what I watched, which is our very own co-host Seb, not our guest Benke, but our co-host Seb's YouTube channel, The Overlooked Hotel, um, which is a reference to Speed Racer, right? Yeah. Yes. An entire channel to Speed Racer. No, no, not Speed Racer. It's an entire channel to Speed Racing, like the, the art of right. speed to speed that's race. Benke, shut up. You're confusing people. I want them to actually go on my channel. <laughs> curious fan channel called Speed Racer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In all seriousness, Seb, Seb got a YouTube channel. He did, he did. It's called The Overlooked Hotel. I will be linking it in the bio. Yeah, absolutely will. And uh, in that first video, Seb discusses the Argentine filmmaker Lucrecia Martel. So I, of course, as someone who's known of her work for a long time, but you know, I, I never watched one. I actually made myself watch one via the magic of the Criterion Channel, the one that I chose. Uh, uh, the via the magic of Seb's influence the of his video influence that led to Criterion Channel R.I.P. Film. I watched um, the Headless Woman one of Seb Bobby four or five films she's made she's only yeah she's only made four so I'm actually like a pretty expert like on her over now I've seen 25% of her features um Incredible. I loved it I loved how understated it was it was so it's it's like the comparisons to Jean Dielman will be there because it's like a bourgeoisie housewife and things are very subtle but Jean Dielman didn't have the the it had the fatalism but not the mystery of the headless woman the headless woman has some actual surrealism in it where like there's handprints and there's like tablecloth and you cannot tell whether it was a continuity error or whether it was like your mind or whether it was her mind and it's it's so it's really one of the most uncomfortable experiences i've had watching a film where i don't want to re-watch it because i don't want to be manipulated like that again <laughs> i don't like they even show you like a very strong image early on in the film that really alludes to what the answer of the mystery of the film is, but it's not enough. It's not, it's like if Clue just showed you 
everyone in a police lineup at the beginning and then went back and <laughs> I guess the usual suspects tried to do that. But this movie is so manipulative on a gut level. Um, yeah, don't don't compare Brian Singer to, to Lucrecia Martel. Don't no, even no, no he longer, wishes. No longer will we even talk about the, the former namesake of Ben K's academic division. <laughs> what? Was that what named? Sub, did you know that Brian Singer like run is like his name is attached to the cinema and media studies program at USC? No, I did not know. That's it's crazy. Just like, it's so awful. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I will. I'm very. I'm really glad you liked it. I'm interested to know what you think of the other ones and whether the headless woman will be your favorite. Because yeah. I feel like Lucrecia Martel is one of those directors, which like it matters which one you see first. Yeah. I feel like the one you yeah. see first tends to be the favorite one. Tarkovsky feels like that too like a lot of people their first Tarkovsky is their favorite because it's just like or even the first one they could finish because they're like once I actually (laughs) broke through it and didn't nap halfway through like I I saw God you know and like nothing will ever touch that experience again when I woke up from my nap it was (laughs) it was quite it's quite incredible Everybody, please watch Seb's new video. It is very good. And it's not all the, it's not an overbloated, pretentious essay. It's seven minutes, eight minutes long. It's a love letter. It's a love, it's a love, love letter. letter. It's a love it's, letter. It's, and it's funny, or so my, or so says my mom. Seb, mm, mm, your mom. Said, it's gay. It's leather. <laughs> Seb, <laughs> what is your mom's thoughts on Speed Racer? <laughs> yeah, my mom just spoke right now that was my mom right, right there. oh oh my god hi oh. hi Seb's mom great to have do I have a guest do I have a show today <laughs> um I'm thinking of maybe my next video will be either on Mira Nair or Narisa Sheptiko just oh. it's a slight I'm you know like um what's the word um yeah feminist yeah. Um, no, 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 ally? Like, like i'm like building intrigue into like a slight dip into what's coming next you know oh oh i see a little sneak peek a little trailer okay yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly exactly okay okay i see i think i'm gonna do shaptiko my dog is barking i'm i think i'm gonna do Shaptiko, just because if I do Nair, it's like also really recent and I say it's a film history channel and I can't really say that if all of the films I talk about are from the 21st century. <laughs> it's okay. Lucretia Martel feel, and Mir Nair feel like historical figures in yeah. film. It's okay. I think that, I think you can, you can twist it to make it fit into history and they already do. So it's okay. Um, Martel's been around, you know, you think about it, Martel's been making films as long as Shrek has been a franchise. So, I mm. mean, contemporary, but it feels like Shrek, like it's been around since the dawn of film. You, I mean, yeah. And Shrek also asked for movies, so they're both really careful right. about, yeah. like... Well, it matters which one you see first in the Shrek franchise. Yeah. Uh, really, it matters which one you see first. Guys, where is what is this Puss, Puss in Boots uh, uh, erasure here? 
four, uh, what? Five. Five. What the fuck? What about the sports? And the the, 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 Ant- the Antonio Banderas lead, okay? Almodovar, okay? Yeah, Almodovar made that movie. He made that movie, okay? God damn. The only reason Antonio Banderas can be in Pedro Almodovar movies anymore is because he got the funding from Puss in Boots. Now he can be more artful and risky in his career. Saying <laughs> <laughs> that like an Almodovar movie is a risk. At this point, it's not. There's a very, very built-in audience for it. Puss in Boots, genius. Boots. I mean, it plays out like an Almodovar film. Essentially, Almodovar took over halfway through the process because yeah. he was the last. Who's he was the last one they could get to be in the project, and he knew Antonio Banderas very well. They worked very well together. So, I think it's not Wrangler in his past life, so it worked out very well. Mm, mm, mm. Exactly. It all it all works out. It all works out. Yeah. I have to also say that I watched Nomadland. I now the entire podcast has seen Nomadland. All three of us are represented. The so, power we hold. The power <laughs> we hold. We've also all seen Shrek and Speed Racer and um Joker as well. Yeah. And big eyes. We have and big uh, eyes. so the collective yeah, have, power just grows every episode. Guys Nomadland is very good. No, my land was very good. I may, it, it, it more than anything, honestly, more than anything, it made me feel it made me feel like I want to watch the writer because I still have yet to see the writer. Writers, mm. right? Writers, good. It's it's no Nomad Land, but it's good. It's no Mad Land, but it's 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 pretty mad on its own. Yeah. Do I, you realize Nomad Land has your name in it? It's no Mad Land, dude. Yeah. I too am the only film to ever win at both Venice and Toronto in the same. <laughs> so I understand. Like we're mutuals in that way. Yeah. You're just you're just that good. You're just that good. Um the writer's great though. I want to rewatch the writer. I want to rewatch Nomadland as well. Yeah. Um they are both, but I do love Nomadland more. Yeah. Um because I am I'm it's like walking inside heaven. <laughs> We were talking nope. before we recorded about what I loved about it the most, which is that even though it's what you'd call now in like a think piece in like film comment magazine, a slow cinema, it still plays like it, an odyssey. There's so many different locations um, and it's, it's paced pretty well. There's characters that ebb and flow in and out of the story as if you were a nomad, as if you were going to travel around and meet people and say goodbye, because both of those things are very natural. Um, and it's also not, I, I think the, there's still so many people, obviously a, a different type of film. There's so many people in my life that have not seen Moonlight because they're just like, oh, it's so intense, it's so heavy, I don't have time for it. It's like, no, Moonlight, it's, it's heavy and intense, but it's really beautiful. And I think you would actually really, like, really appreciate its value. I think there's people who would be afraid to see Nomadland because it seems like it's a sad, it's just a sad movie. Um, the content obviously between those movies can't be different. I'm just saying in terms of the reaction of like, it's so heavy, it seems so, and there is that, there are moments of like, oh, it's, it's really like the piano is on right now and they're getting lung cancer or so whatever, but the movie has a lot of uplifting qualities to it, especially at the end. Um, you know, don't spoil it. Mm. I won't spoil it, but just the 
and there's not even a specific image or scene it's just the mood that is evoked is so actually enriching in terms of living life i thought it was very very um i wasn't expecting it to, to go that direction <laughs> you know we, have, we see a movie that wins venice in toronto and has like a 98 percent of rotten tomatoes i honestly expected to say life is trash and god is dead but it was, mm. it was actually very uplifting and that was something that i appreciated in these in these not very easy times in the world so i love that as well and francis mcdormand was incredible i i have been hearing all season about how she's going to win best actress and this and that but i don't feel after seeing it that i've heard that enough she this was a performance for the ages of the last few years i don't know what i've seen that's been better than that i don't know how you top that performance in terms of a real lived in can work with established actors can live with uh can, can blend with non-established actors or non-actors as she does in the film it was incredible to watch um beautiful yeah yes beautiful i completely agree with everything you said and i really hope you know like i really hope it's it's able to find an audience i i like hope people don't aren't too quick to judge with you know just hearing the plot of this movie and just say no no it's like not for me i think yeah. i was you know, like I was, I, I was expecting to like it before I saw it just because I heard many good things about it, but I, I really wasn't expecting to, to fall in love with it in the way that I did. And I talked about it on the podcast when I saw it many months ago. And I honestly like haven't stopped thinking about it since. And I've been so excited that it's finally out and I'm really excited to like, see how, how people react with it. Um, I, uh, I was going to say, I just, I just hope people don't judge it too quickly, and I, I hope a lot of people still watch it because it, it, it really, it surprised me how uplifting it is, especially when, like, I mean, when, when the story's about her, she's, she's on this path because she's, she lost her home in the recession. You know, it's, it's like, it's a, it's a rough start, you know, and that, that as like a way to sell the movie when you're describing the plot can immediately turn somebody off, but. It really is so much more than, you know, just another slightly depressed piece. It's real it's it's really incredible. And I hope I hope a lot of people watch it. Yeah, for sure. Brought to you by formerly Fox Searchlight Pictures, now just searchlight pictures. <laughs> brought to you from Disney. D brought Disney. Brought to you by Disney. Brought to you Disney. Disney's Disney. Nomad Land. Saving Mr. Banks with Tom Hanks brought you Nomad Land. Thank you very much. <laughs> Before we get into our, our, our um, what do you call it? Our costume talk. Have you guys seen the, the new Martin Scorsese discourse? No, but be quick about it. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to bring it up then. If none of you guys, none of you guys have seen it, it's okay. Because <laughs> I don't even know that much about it. Okay. Oh. Did you All want right, us let's... to explain it to you? <laughs> um... <laughs> I thought Nolan would have would would have like looked more into it for some reason. He looks very concentrated. I think looks he's more looking... into what? <laughs> oh, have you heard the 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 like the Martin Scorsese discourse of like he like put out an essay oh, about? Fellini. I think he was. I think he. Oh, right. He said something about Fellini, but he he, he was basically like. Yeah um like like streaming is ruining cinema and it like there's no 
curation anymore of anything good it's just yeah. all corporate and well, okay because Scorsese has those moments right but what was so weird about the Fellini essay was it was literally supposed to be about Fellini only but then he still found a way to warm in there like cinema has no father anymore I used to be the father of cinema I would decide you know with my world cinema project I would decide what made it what didn't to the cutting floor but now no one knows no one knows. it's like what are you talking about have you watched <laughs> this you own a television Wait, wait, thank you for being here. Streaming. <laughs> Fine curation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Listen, wait, I, I thought you um wait, did I, I didn't realize it was like in the same essay that he was so he was just like this was an essay about Fellini. Yeah, and then I don't know how it went in, I don't know how it transitioned. Like I stopped reading once he talked about Fellini because it's like I, it's just historical shit. But he was like <laughs> One of the filmmakers who believed in curating was Federico Fellini, who was born. <laughs> I was like, I okay, he, I don't know how he did like, that transition. He's like, my- introduction paragraph: Hollywood is shit. You know who's not shit? Fellini. Take. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, again, I haven't like read this, so I haven't gotten my like full full dosage of it. And but I, you know what? I don't really get why it's. As hot of, I don't understand why people are treating this as a hot take compared to like when people were upset that he said that Marvel movies are like theme parks, which again, another, another take that I don't really get why people got so upset about, but whatever. This one was even less bad and seems very obvious. And that, that, you know, what he was saying feels very obvious. And I can't believe people are like up in arms about this. Also, like, do movie theaters have curation? Like, I don't. I feel like I feel like this has been a problem for like many years, and I I, I don't really know why people are upset about this. It's just it's just Marty, baby. Give him a break, okay? He puts out he puts out a thing like once a year, and it becomes like the hot thing to talk about on film Twitter for the entire year for <laughs> absolutely no reason, and I completely lose track of like what the argument even was or what people are even arguing about yeah well I don't know. there's even things that he'll say that are like that would seem like they would get airtime but they don't like when someone asked if he had seen joker and he was like why would i do that i made it like 20 years ago and it was like we all knew that he was gonna say that but he actually said it and it was fucking insane and then nothing really happened to it it's like nothing really Mar- that's so funny it was like i don't need to watch it i've kind of been in that like that realm (laughs) martin scorsese and todd phillips were on the the hollywood reporter like director's round table that year and the way todd phillips was like it was like pitching his movie to martin scorsese the entire time he was like describing his movie and then like looking at martin scorsese kind of for like a like a did you see it and did didn't you love it kind of look to it and then martin scorsese was ignoring him the entire time that shit was so so funny <laughs> so yeah kind of love marty for that go go stream pretend it's a city go watch that shit go watch that. That's the best wonder what friend Leibowitz thinks about marvel federico fellini and joker i remember that <laughs> That Hollywood Reporter video was when I realized how much better women are <laughs> at like not like not in general because I mean also in general but like at directing just being human just just being human beings they're like, better at like, it. 
like Lulu Wong was there, right? And Greta Gerwig as well. And yeah. the way they talk about their films is so like amazing and intoxicating, like because they just like pour so much love into their work. And then next to them, you have Todd Phillips being like, yeah, I wanted to do smart things. So, um, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lulu Wang was a standout in that video. I remember, I remember her being, everyone was like really impressed by her, including Martin Scorsese. He was like, tell, tell me more, tell me more, Queen. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah. Anyways, we should start because. <laughs> okay, we should I start. I have to like, I mean, I don't think we're going to do that much, but like, I do need to leave 15 minutes before. Um, 10, I guess. 10. It, no, no, I guess 10, 10 right? 10, 10 your time. Okay. Yeah, so that's yeah. like in, that's like in, that's like in like 30, 40 minutes. Like okay. an hour less. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay. Now we're in less than 10, 10 15 minutes. Eight my time, 10 Seb's time, 11 10K. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. You up late for this shit. Dude. 15 minutes yeah. before. It's Friday night. <laughs> this is past my bedtime, bitches. Shut the fuck up. Come on. Right. I love how Nolan laughs, and I wish sometimes we had, like, we shared the video, because your laugh sometimes is silent, but it's so amazingly... <laughs> Nolan, like, no, no. Big, he'll be like this, he'll be like... <laughs> like he is the best thinking is the best audible laugh sound but sometimes i'll just be like <laughs> oh my god i want to get a live reaction of him watching um was it barb and Bourbon Star, Bourbon yo, I'm off, I'm off the rails, yo. Like, I'm like, I'm so noisy. People tell me to shut up while I'm watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> the theater, bro. People like shoot you afterwards. <laughs> always like, hey, man. Have Have I told you, Nolan, that I was okay? Can I take me two times? I got yelled at in a theater for for being too noisy. Okay, one. Our avatar, Avatar. No, not Avatar. Not Avatar. <laughs> Although, if if Avatar two ever comes back, you know I'll be cheering. Like I'll be, I'll be off the rails for that one. But I cheered during Godzilla Kings Kings of Mon- Kings of Monsters. I think that's the name of it. Very excited for this movie. Packed house, and I was, you know, the movie theater was very loud, and I didn't think people could hear. I, th- I didn't think people could hear my screams because the movie itself was so loud, but I was very excited about this movie and I was yelling during it, you know, like when they were fighting, it was like a boxing match, essentially. Like I was, I was yelling. And then this, these, these like fucking nerds probably went to NYU or something walking by me after the new, like, like next time, you think you could be a little more quieter next time? <laughs> Get the See you tomorrow at the matinee. <laughs> so next time, exactly. And he was treating it like he was gonna. He was first of all, maybe it's Godzilla, Kings of Monsters. All right, this ain't this. This you don't gotta hear shit for this one. All right, you didn't miss out on anything, baby. Don't you worry. And acting like he's gonna see it again or something. Really. Oh, and I also cheered during during Cats, and somebody yelled at us after, said... Why are people uh, yelling at you for cheering during movies that you cheer at? <laughs> I, I know. Cheer at. Have you ever shushed someone? I've shushed once. 
want someone. You've shushed a person? I'm usually the, the shush, I'm the shushy. I'm, I, got, I'm the one. I, got I got shushed during Shape of Water because I saw it, I thought it was my family. And then, uh, sorry to our Del Poros fans. I love him too, but I didn't really like Shape of Water. I took my friend. Oh, I know. I took my friend to see it. We were just laughing. <laughs> At the best. No Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Like Nolan, Nolan, so how I, could you? I deserve to be shushed because that's like people went to see that. This was after it won Best Picture, so people were like there to have an experience with it. Fuck. And I was like, let I'm gonna take my friend because I know that if we got like if we took like two hits of a kingpin before this, we're gonna have so much fun. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I really my mother, I, my mother's listening to this. Okay. <laughs> I was so into Shape of Water when it came out. I'm always like really into one of the Oscar frontrunners. And I think that's why I've developed such an Oscar bad habit of like following the race religiously. Yeah. Even if it's like... It's rewarding. It's, like Moonlight winning was rewarding. That's the thing. Like it changes every year, you know? So like, uh, well, Moonlight actually... Like it was he was, on the, he was on the La La Land team. I was on the La La Land side. This is embarrassing. But it was in like angry about it you know like i really liked moonlight as well but like the shape of water i was so into the shape of water i wanted it so much to win it was rewarding for me when it won i was such a big like i was going for roma big time big time and it was the worst thing when it lost and then i was a big big fan of parasite and now nomadland again and if it's like following the pattern then yes. trial of chicago 7 will win best picture this year <laughs> <laughs> and it will be a huge disappointment. But anyways, oh, I was I see. you you get you get your you get your joy every other year. And every uh, every oh. year I'm like, this is the year where I won't care about like one of the front runners, like at all. Or I will just be like yeah. whatever with them. Oh, but it comes again. There's like some some movie of those. Like it it there's always one of them for some reason. Even if like years later I'm like that wasn't a great movie, like The Shape of Water. Like it's, like I think it's great, but it's not like that great as I thought it was. Um, it always comes. I saw this tweet a couple of days ago that you guys might have seen. It was like, in 2012, Argo won Best Picture. And since then, no one has talked about it or seen it once. And I went, <laughs> not true. I saw it the day after it won Best Picture to know what it was. <laughs> And then I've never watched it again. <laughs> it's some like, weird so, movie. Soci- it's so society weird. has had societies put that in the past. Like, we have not, not, not because it's nobody, just because it's fucking random. It's just so random. I, it was random. It's just boring. I. It's just like. Argo. It's just like. Argo. Huh? Okay. Okay. A lot of them are like, how did you get there? But, anyways. Enough Oscar talk. I do want to say, I was going to say, though, that I, I haven't been shushed in the theater, but I did shush an old guy once because he kept talking over a little movie called The Favorite. Um, doing a great segue here, Nolan, take it, please. <laughs> because you know who did the costume design for The Favorite? Miss Sandy Powell. The Favorite is The Favorite is a tour de force. That was my Christmas movie when it came out. Ah, your, your little Fanny and Alexander. The fam. Yeah, that was my Fanny and Alexander sojourn for the for the year. Still my favorite Yorgos. Still my favorite. <laughs> still my favorite Rachel. My still my favorite Olivia Coleman. Everybody in that movie, including 
the costume designer Sandy Powell was at their best, truly, at that point. Um, thank you for saying it. I feel like those Yorgos fans want to be the lobster, like, have it be the best. Mm -hmm. They don't accept no, 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 no. reality. Like, I'm sorry, the most popular one is the best one. It is what it is. <laughs> You're like, how could Yorgos be financially successful? That's how it was for Denis Villeneuve at first. People could not wrap their head around the fact that the guy who made Enemy could make Blade Runner, <laughs> which I don't even know if or, was officially successful. Or Dune, which is going to make... Or, or, or a rival, which made like a kajillion dollars and is, so it's, and is like very, very good as well. And people are like, no! <laughs> now, he's, the question he's, is, will Eternals become the best Chloe Zhao movie? <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Will The Lion King become Barry Jenkins' best film? I um, I will predict it and I will say yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nolan, have you heard that Barry Jenkins is directing the sequel to the Lion King remake? Oh my god. No no jokes here. Like I'm I'm being serious. Yeah, he's working with John Favreau. What oh what I, I did not know that. That's what I saw. Oh. I, well, because John Favreau is not gonna direct it, right? And he's but yeah, he's thank very, God. But Barry Jenkins is working for Disney. He can't take it in like a totally different direction without like someone from the past stepping in. I heard something. I don't know if it was like Daily or not Daily Wire. Oh my God, IndieWire. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Not the Daily Wire. Like, All right, like, don't out like, yourself. I was mixing up Deadline and IndieWire. I don't know which one it was, but it was like John Favreau and Barry Jenkins in talks about like pre-production on the Lion King. Oh God. Yeah, I guess they couldn't. Underground Railroad yet, or he just finished it and it hasn't been released yet. He's already doing Lion King. He, um, well, yeah, I guess they couldn't just give him, give it to him. You know, they had to, they had to, they had to give him a little leash. A little, Great, a leash. Executive producer on Cruella. Mm, Wasn't that awful? Was that trailer not the worst thing ever? Like, I was like, I was personally offended by Emma Stone. We have just... to talk about costume design now because we're talking about Cruella. We've got to that point of the night. Okay. <laughs> yeah, please, please. Let's, let's move on. <laughs> Who do we begin with? Do we begin with Sandy Powell because we already mentioned her? Um, I think we should do Mil Milena Canerero because she's the oldest one. Milena, yeah, that's fair. We're gonna give yeah, give the honor to the people who are more experienced and have been below the line for longer, which would be uh, Milena Canonero, so Italian costume designer. I guess now we know her for her work with Wes Anderson, right? I mean, Wes Anderson, everything about his visual design from the costume to the sets, production design, it's all very idiosyncratic and, and very um, Wes Anderson. You kind of know it. It's very visually uh, able to be seen. Um, when people talk about style, when you can tell what it is, you can discern it, it's perceptible. Uh, Canonero is someone who's a craftsman uh, that works uh, on things like that. Um, but yeah, we come back to Kubrick again. You know, she worked, she did work on Barry Lyndon. She did work on The Shining. She did work on The Overlooked Hotel. She did, she on did work on the, on, on the Clockwork Orange. I hate to bring it back to that, but... And then she's, she done, some, she's done some films such as Chariots of Fire and Out of Africa there in the 80s that, you know, were big Oscar juggernauts. I think both of those films won Best Picture, yes? Yeah. So yes, had, yeah. Had success with an auteur early in her career in Kubrick. And then in the 80s, you know, was able to make these mainstream commercial films um, that were very popular, obviously, and, and, and accoladed. Now she's working with Wes Anderson, so kind of back in that auteurist, idiosyncratic relationship 
And then we know a lot of costume designers, right, who have very prominent relationships, just like any other crew member with the director they work with. Mm-hmm. Um, the one I want to talk about is Marie Antoinette, <laughs> Sofia Coppola's film. Fair, fair. Seb will join me in saying that Marie Antoinette is absolutely amazing. The costume is the idea of speed racer and the matrix and everything the wachowskis do being sugar i think that's actually very analogous to something like Marie Antoinette. it's so satirically over opulent and over indulgent and the costumes certainly fit that right I and mean, there's nothing about the, the costumes in Marie Antoinette that seem historically accurate at all it's all incredibly overbearing and the dress every dress she wore must have been like 500 pounds on her and just that ability i think to not only be someone who designs fashion in in a practical sense but someone who's able to tap into the creativity and understand a film's tone and be able to tap into that realm of design um because when you are a costume designer it's not just about being a fashion designer it's also about having that critical creative eye understanding the tone of what you're trying to do i can just imagine the conversation she's having with her you know her other crew members and sofia coppola basically saying we need this to be like if someone had just heard about <laughs> France during during that time for three seconds what they might picture if they were six years old mm. oh, it's just like everything's incredibly crazy um so that's a note about Kevinero is you have that relationship with other filmmakers like Kubrick and Wes Anderson um but centrally it, it's it kind of is the essence of being a costume designer which is a being practical and understanding the limits of, of fashion and what someone can wear and gravity is a restriction uh, and weight is a restriction and height is a restriction but that creativity element as well that really matters um thoughts on melina canonero from benke and from seth i w- i will say I, like when you were talking about Marie internet which i love 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 Marie internet they that movie and Barry Lyndon have have a lot in common I think they're just like you know in terms of like subverting your 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 standard period period pieces and like the the costume drama like just completely just flipping flipping it up and kind of making I mean for Barry Lyndon specifically it it like I love that it kind of knows what it is you know it never goes into this into this bleak territory of of what most costume dramas end up becoming and it's almost like a little it's a little camp in that in that way in how it's just so over the top and just so that you know it's it's like it like an opera or something and you can in in the costume work specifically everything looks like a painting, you know, that, that, it, that, that seems to be the framework for, for Barry Lyndon as a, the concept for the movie. But costume wise, you know, obviously this, that's something that's very integral to, to what this movie was trying to do. And it all looks like a painting, like just something so not realistic, but at the same time, like we're watching it in a movie and, and, and it's absolutely astounding that we can, that we're able to witness people like 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 people on the screen like wearing these things that you think you would only see in a painting it's absolutely astounding and honestly with Marie Antoinette it just goes 
way, way, way more over the top, like just like a, the 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 movie equivalent. I mean, this is this is kind of bring it down a little bit because the movie is intellectually a lot more than this, but just like visually the the equivalent of like a like a Pinterest board and just how like everything is about it. And the costumes are just so so astounding. It 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 feels like a like the like like a soap opera or something of just of we're watching a soap opera and just these and just these costumes. Wonderfully said, Bank. Hey, beautiful. You know, I haven't I haven't seen Mary Internet. It's awful. I know, and it's and it's awful, especially because I know I'm gonna love this movie, or I think I'm gonna love this movie because like I really love Sofia Coppola, but also like I feel like this is unrelated to Canonero, but like <laughs> I feel like my taste in movies for a long time has been like fairly mature in a weird way you know like mature, like weird for a teenager I guess Nolan's kind of like this as well um where I'm like yeah I love I don't know like Tokyo Story or something and I'm like genuinely in love with it you know like but it makes no sense because it's about like old people <laughs> and it's like so understood and everything but recently I feel like I've gotten like this like new refound love of like recklessly young immature movies you know and I think that's kind of why I love the Matrix so much just because I'm like basking in it you know like I'm like what the you know uh, but also like other films like Itumama Tambien or like Law of Desire which is an Almodovar film that not a lot of people know but it's like basically like stupid like it's not stupid but there's something like I don't know what's happening to me I don't know why this was the progression but I feel like Marie Antoinette to me from afar from what I've heard feels a lot like that because it's like about like rich <laughs> royal teenagers doing reckless stuff in a very stylized way <laughs> yes <laughs> I think we have if you'll allow me a wonderful segue from talking about Omodovar because now we get into our next costume designer that we were going to talk about. Uh, she has a, a German Bavarian name. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's Bina Digeller. We're going to get butchered for this if, if we can't get the pronunciation, I guess. But, um, you know, she's made, uh, she's been a part of a couple of prominent films, most recently like Miss America, uh, Mulan, despite the controversy behind it. But of course, I think we bring it into our episode for the expertise on Omodovar cinema that Seb has and that Benke and I have to an extent that we've watched like maybe three or four of his movies. Um, <laughs> but Seb really, I mean, that that's his world. So Seb, I'm going to let you take away about this costume designer. What about her work elevates Pedro's films and elevates his art? Well, thank you. <laughs> um, you are so welcome as a co-host. <laughs> oh yeah Ouch. yeah it's a privilege to be um segued by the co-host and not by the guest because that would be disgusting <laughs> so weird so, I, i'm not running the show i'm just i'm just sitting here all right why don't you Banky, why don't you work on getting tilda on for next episode i'm, I'm calling <laughs> i'm making some calls all right give me a second but yes almodovar i love almodovar he's probably my favorite director if not one of my favorite directors um and especially like the more I think the more time passes the more I love him <laughs> and I um I've seen I think 
probably like half of his films and he has like 20 something so that's that's a lot <laughs> and I love him and so Bina Tiagal I don't know how to pronounce it either. I'm so sorry, Bina. <laughs> if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're hearing this, of course she's not, she's not gonna watch this. She's gonna listen to it. It's a podcast. You know what's tough is that we're we're having trouble with her last name, but who even knows that her first name's Bina? If it's if it's Bina, we've already lost. You know, we've already, <laughs> like, you're totally right. Um, I'm gonna assume it's Bina anyway. Anyways. She worked in All About My Mother and Volver, which are two amazing, amazing films. And I was like, and they have such like amazing costumes. She's like Penelope Cruz in Volver. She plays like this like mother of, I'm going to tell kind of like the story starts with her daughter murdering her husband <laughs> or father because the husband like sexually like approaches the daughter assaults her and then she like murders him in return and so Penelope Cruz has to like cover it up and it's it's very ridiculous as you can tell but it's such like it's such a genre film but like twisted into a very um I don't know it's such a great combination of like crime and comedy and camp and basically like in Almodovar's always camp you know but Penelope Cruz plays like this mother, right? But she has like such like incredibly ridiculous outfits of like with like picnic patterns on them and like a lot of jewelry dangling and a lot of like a lot of things that like really um emphasize her chest <laughs> to say it. And like she's such a like a she it's so I don't know. I think a lot of her character's personality comes through these really vibrant out there costumes and they make it so iconic and all about my mother is very similar in this way um that like there's like a moment where like the main character all about my mother is about a woman whose son gets killed and so he she goes back to like find the father that never met the son to Barcelona and it's also like a comedy slash drama um and it's sorry so many <laughs> i'm like trying to like organize my thoughts because i have so many things to say but yes all about there's like this one it's just the code like the the costumes they use are so iconic but because almodovar's films are very very colorful in many ways in like a very camp way again camp is gonna be the word of the day <laughs> and it's been the day of the the year honestly um but like be, but he doesn't really work with colors through cinematography, he works with like art direction, like production design and costume design. It's always physical. It's always like the actual physical space is like embedded with so many colors. It's never really like lighting or a filter or anything. Like the cinematography of his films is, is incredible, but a lot of like where his like touch really, really is evident is a lot in like how he chooses the physicality of the space. And so like the costume designs do a lot and they are very ridiculous at many times. And they're like, because they're very vibrant colors. There's this, I, like the best in All About My Mother is when the mother is like wearing this like pink fluorescent with like this dress, it's like fluorescent pink with fluorescent 
green. And on top of it, it's like a jacket with the print of like giraffe. <laughs> and it's so <laughs> ugly, but it's so amazing too. And, like, yes. and just to end my monologue, um, All About My Mother is like one of my favorite films, probably my favorite film as well. Some days of the week, it is my favorite film. And I love it so much because it's so, it is so queer and feminine and camp, but it, and it's, it's so, again, like punk, but in this very queer feminine camp way that it like reconstructs a reality that's so that, but it's also so emotionally punching and wrecking and grounded in that way. Its characters are so human it's a very human film and i think almodovar has done great comedies that exist entirely in this camp place and then he's done great dramas now especially with pain and glory that exist in this very grounded personal way and all about my mother he has this like middle portion of his career which is all about my mother talk to her um bad education and volver which is basically him showing off that he can pull incredible jumping like from genre to like mixes of genre and tone in very intricate and weird ways. But all about my mother is like him at his absolute strongest. It's like, it like brings both worlds completely together in a very, it's both a very personal and human film, but also a very camp and accented film in the best ways. Yes, that's it. That's my love for, that is my, the end of my TED talk. Thank you. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about the costumes? <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Seb, we love you. You're a genius. You're an expert on Almodovar. This is why he has a YouTube channel, everybody. Go so, watch his YouTube video. Will you be making thoughts, an Almodovar video? I will, I will love that. Letterboxd. They can't handle him. I might do I, like, Seb, a law of desire video. Like, Seb, I, Seb, I was thinking, like, nobody does Almodovar video essays on YouTube. Like, nobody I'm does like, that. Kind of, nobody does them. No one does them. No yeah. Nobody oh, does. Um, no, nobody does it. No, you'll it's be the first. Crazy. Two of my like my intro to cinema papers of three were about Almodovar movies, <laughs> and one of them was about all about Eve as well, which and all about my mother. On your list, like, um, which ones were they featuring? What do you mean? Like the, well, what? the genre paper didn't you have to do? Oh, the genre paper. I focused on melodrama in all about Eve and all about my mother. And kind of comparing the two. I want to read that paper. <laughs> <laughs> I can send it to you if you want. That idea of just... um, and and I also had now a Volver paper actually, literally these two movies, um, focusing on performance. And also, I just want to point out that All About Eve is not also completely unrelated or just related to All About My Mother because we're gonna talk about Sandy Powell and right. the favorite and All About Eve are also the same movie. <laughs> They're all in the same cinematic, the same universe. <laughs> cinematic universe. That maybe Score says he actually respects. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Nolan. Sorry to sorry to like go off topic, but are yeah. you, do you have to do that like the visual design paper? The visual design paper. I did. Or is or there's like an acting one. You could choose like an actor, yeah, or you can yeah. choose. I really, I really want to do visual design of In the Mood for Love. <laughs> Oh, really why don't you? Oh, you're taking it right now, right? I Wait, am. 
So we just There's did a one. Winter's Bone Paper, which was Persepolis. The next one is the genre one. Wow. Which is, which is like the perform yeah, performance visual design. I know, I guess the genre oh, okay. is the last one, right? The genres, yeah, the genre is the last one. But then, so are you going to get to do In the Mood for Love? I think so. The poll is do it. right now. Yes. That was my second option, actually. I want, literally. I want to do a movie that, like, I'm going to watch three or four times in that week and, like, show mm -hmm. my mates and show my girlfriend and just show every, like, I want to just watch it a bunch of times. I know I can do that within the mood for love. I love Tokyo Story. I don't know if I can watch that five times. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a little long. Yeah. That's tough. And it's also two and hours and 16 minutes. Yeah, whatever it is. Right. And the mood for love is kind of short, isn't it? The mood for love is like an hour 35. Yeah. yeah. No, nice. 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 All right. Um, think, um, the best way to introduce Sandy Powell, just in terms of this is not applicable for her entire career, but we were talking about the sort of exaggerated inaccuracies that were intentional uh, for someone like Ken Anero and doing Wes Anderson or doing uh, Marie Antoinette. Um, but we also talk about that practical side of trying to be accurate to a time period. And I think Sandy Powell, um, in working with Scorsese, in working with um, a filmmaker like Todd Haynes and, and Carol is there's a very another mental drama and they're all the same movie um for someone like Sandy Powell her talent really is in that accuracy of the period and you know costume designers really are like cinematographers or uh, editors you know there's there's specialties there and some of them are better at the exaggerated and inauthentic some of them are better at the authentic and I feel that Sandy Powell if you look at the departed or Shakespeare in Love, or Carol, there's that element of accuracy that really makes her work uh, recognizable uh, and true to the time, which is more of that practical side of the fashion that we were talking about. I have to, I, I, although I do agree that she's, you know, she's one of these, one of these like costume designers that is like definitely like sticking to um, the, the times and like making sure they're accurate. I also think like she also has, a thing about her that she basically she like talked about this in an interview and that she just kind of she's she just wants to add this like cool touch to all her characters and you know in another way of like sub subverting um the expectations of a of a costume drama essentially there's more to the costume and more to the character than just this like what you expect of something something from a costume drama and that it's just a little it's just boring like there's this cool factor to it that i think you know resembles something of of fashion of of the modern day that people can kind of associate with watching something in her movies easily you know and even though they even though her 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 costumes feel very much for that time you know especially in like something like carol like they're also just incredibly like fashionable and so much like fun to like like look at and just see characters wear them i'm thinking of like okay like she did she did the costume design for for mary poppins returns and it's funny i'm talking about this movie but i'm like it's it it takes place in this like it doesn't take place in like modern day exactly, but it it also implies the time has passed since the first Mary Poppins. So kind of lies in this weird in-between. And something about the costumes in these movies are none of them feel 
overly dated none of them feel like you just like you just like shit bricks if you saw someone walking down the street with it like it's just like it's a, it's a little spicy but it's a it's just still genuinely like fashionable for for like the the time period of which she's making the movie for audiences to watch essentially and I feel I feel the same about Carol which she also did and that it's just like it's very it's very 50s and there's the big there's there's the big coat and like like all that but I you know some of the stuff that people wear in them although they're very 50s stylized feel like something that people could definitely wear now even or especially somebody who might be like interested in this period and would like want to would want to like channel some 50s energy and just their like daily clothes you know and yeah and I I would think I think a lot of like Scorsese movies fit along this along this thing I'm talking about too like Gangs in New York, Aviator, and and Hugo specifically, all movies that um you know they don't really take they don't take place in the modern day. Or did she do The Irishman? She did. Right. Irishman. Yeah. So like even even The Irishman, like these movies, they don't. There's something about them that just feels very age ageless. You know, they they definitely feel like they're made by somebody somebody far far into the future like look, look with this with the styles of it all and it, and it and sandy powell brings in this modern touch to to basically not alienate the audience too much especially when they're when they're watching some some characters that are that are supposed to be living from many many decades ago so love sandy powell she's also like just really cool like she she has a she like like she looks really cool. She has a crazy head of hair. And um, last year, I think during not last year, I guess it'd be two. I guess it'd be I guess it would be last year during like the awards season when she was going to all these award shows and that kind of stuff. She wore white dress. Celebrities autograph her dress and she sold it for like a ton of money to give to charity. So I I like I like that. I like that. She she kind of she kind of genius for that. That's such a power move. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's true. You mentioned um, that cool factor. I just can't picture Kate Blanchett, honestly, or Rooney Mara without that. The, the kind of the signature garments they wear in that mm-hmm. scene, whether they're talking to each other at, at the dinner um, or if they're talking to each other at the department store. I just see that with Kate Blanchett, that red hat cap she has going on with that like fur coat, I just see it. So that cool factor, I, I definitely subscribe to that idea. They're just so much fun. That she has the range of like doing crazy shit, but also doing like reserved shit. Like Carol's costumes feel reserved in a way that's very appropriate to the narrative of like subtlety like glances like not subtlety like subtleties you know in the the body language of it all (laughs) you know and and like I mean to bring it to to the favorite you know like something that is I don't know like feels feels the most like costume drama-y out of the the movies that she's been she's been like involved in especially like uh, from her more recent stuff you know I mean it's it, as far as I can tell it seems to be like one of the the movies that takes place the farthest time ago like it's not something that takes place in the 20th century but 
even that one, like the, the costumes are similarly like, you know, on, on us, on an opposite end of like, of, of um, me, uh, me, Milena Canonero, she's, it doesn't look like a painting, you know, it, does, it does, isn't trying to emulate that and is trying to be something, not that someone necessarily wear in real life in this case, but something that just like reflects these, these idiosyncratic personalities of each of the characters so well. And they're just so like, they're so animalistic in all these ways and very, and over the top in the sense that no one would really wear them at that time, but just very, but also just very realistic, very, very realistic in that, that these characters would choose to wear something like this. You know, I had a math, no, I, I didn't have, I, there was a math teacher in my high school that was really infamous because of being like very harsh and Uh-oh. tough. I did not have her. What? <laughs> what? Wait, I'm going to connect it. Hold on. Oh, I didn't I, have the I, her. I, but I, I'm waiting. Are you going to connect it to Pedro Almodovar too? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm not that talented. Um, yes, you are. No, she she liked movies. And then once I was like walking with a friend and then he like approached her and he was like, what did you think of the favorite? Did you like it? Because they talked about movies. She was like, no, because the costumes were like so lacy because she like she wore the same dress twice and she was like how could she wear the same dress or like twice or like for like a long period of the movie something like that and I thought it was so funny that that was like my (laughs) t-shirt I've been wearing the same t-shirt like 10 days in a row (laughs) (laughs) showers instead of washing it Oh God! Oh my! Oh, the stench! I can smell it across the country. Oh my God! TMI. Um, too much ick. Do you have closing thoughts on these designers or these filmmakers or the art of costume design, the craft of costume design in general? Well, I will say that I mean, for for Milena Canero and and Sandy Powell, although they their names aren't quite as well known as I, I, I was I would like them to be, they are very they found great success in their careers, and I'm I'm I hope and especially Milena Canero, who's been working for a very very long time. I actually didn't even realize she was still alive. She's still alive, right? She's yeah. I didn't realize that she was still alive and. The fact that she's been like working since since like the seventies with with Kubrick is absolutely astounding, and I hope that their 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 careers bring nothing but they just have nothing but lucrative careers for for the rest of their lives. And yeah, um, like you know, you they they also like give you a reason to to just like straight up watch a movie just for its costumes. Like you could easily, I mean, for, for, for Marie Antoinette and Carol specifically, like the, the costumes are so standout in that you could, you could argue that that's just, you could watch it just for that, honestly. And that's pretty, pretty rare that you, you know, that you can like, you can find something from this like very specific technical element of a movie just to like, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna just watch it just because of this. 
and that like, um, the costume just really take just really take over it yeah i think it's worth noting too that i mean i guess we can say costume design really is probably one of the only branches in film production that has been historically and contemporary mostly women predominantly women who um are the most accoladed are given the most attention are given uh the the, the heap of the opportunities in that specific sect of, of film production and so i think it's a great area to recognize women in film uh, and craftsmen in film who are not the you know general white males that we see i mean this is related to the heart of our podcast and so i think costume design is a great avenue to explore that um that side of the filmmaking from from women we don't usually get to see for our next podcast we'll be doing production designers specifically wartime production designers if you will and we'll be having a guest that's another guest excuse me right, another is, guest adding a guest i will have and a friend it, with me is this war <laughs> movie designers or wartime designers very wartime yeah, no, 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 no movie no movie war they, we'll they probably design... start some platoon with you all <laughs> <laughs> they go into the field and they're like no no move this body there's no symmetry there's no <laughs> symmetry <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs>